Waterville. Welcome to this week's broadcast of Water, Wind, Wine Ministries. I have my husband in the room just because I figured out that without a person in the room, there's no draw on my anointing. So forgive me, I'm not going to be looking straight at the camera. I'm going to be looking at him and talking to him. And this big bright light is in my eyes, so I can barely see him. But today we're going to talk about the story of the prodigal son. This is a really interesting story. And the reason it is, is because so many times we have heard this story related to us and rightly so, about sinners who come to the cross. And the reason we hear this story is because of where it is situated in the Bible, in the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, just so you know, every time that you read a scripture, it's best and most accurate application and translation and understanding is in context. However, there are so many scriptures and scripture itself is so dynamic that we can take things from it and apply it to our lives, even kind of out of context. Here's a really famous one. In Philippians, it says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was speaking to the church at Philippi. He wasn't speaking to you and me. But we take that principle and we apply it to our lives. And God allows us to do that because of his grace. This story of the prodigal son is another one of those principles that I believe has been told accurately and perfectly to record what happens in heaven, what happens in the Father's heart when somebody who is a sinner returns to the Father, to their Creator. But I also believe that this story of the prodigal son more accurately and more poignantly tells us the story of a person who's living under the new covenant and therefore under hyper grace. It's how the hypergrace movement has been misunderstood. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start with the story. <laughs> I can barely see you. So the story starts in Luke chapter 15. Now, right before the prodigal son's story, Jesus has tax collectors and he has sinners come to eat dinner with him. And this is a big no-no in ancient Jude Judaism, in ancient Israel, because if you ate with tax collectors, if you ate with sinners, it was like you were condoning what they were doing. So the Pharisees and the scribes have something to say to Jesus about this. He's presented himself as this perfect man who's manifesting all of the gifts and the power of God. And so they're like, well, only God can be with him. So if God's really with him, why is he eating with tax collectors and with sinners? And Jesus, like he does, he tells two parables. And the parable, the first one that he tells in Luke chapter 15 is the parable of the man who has the hundredfold sheep and one gets away and he goes and after the one leaves the 99 and grabs that one and comes back, you know, with his on his shoulders and he's rejoicing and calls his friends. And he says, there's so much joy in heaven when one sinner comes back. And so then the next parable that he tells is the parable of the lady who loses a coin and she freaks out and turns on all the lights in her house and sweeps up her house and finds the coin and calls all her friends and rejoices. And Jesus says that there's so much joy in heaven when one sinner returns. And so then he goes in to the parable of the prodigal son, or what I'm going to call the younger son. Now, the title of this message is prodigal because we are talking about the prodigal son, but prodigal doesn't refer to him coming back. Prodigal, actually the word prodigal, refers to prodigy. That's where we get the same word, prodigy. In other words, I'm like my father. That's really important because we think of prodigal as bad. We think of prodigal 
as returning. Like we don't have a proper concept of this word prodigal. It's a little bit wonky from our understanding of what this story is, but trust me, it's going to make a lot of sense. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Catch this. The younger son asked for his portion of goods. I want you to, I want you to think about what happened. He's asking for goods. This would be like you, honey, you're a, a younger, I mean, you're an older brother. And your younger brother would go to your dad and say, dad, give me the $100,000. Now, I don't know if he has $100,000 saved for my brother-in-law. I'm just throwing a number out there in case anybody. <laughs> anyway, so that my brother-in-law says to my father-in-law, hey, give me the $100,000 that you have saved for my inheritance. That's what this younger son is doing. I, I want a specific dollar amount that you've saved. I know you've saved it for me. But the father doesn't give him goods. He gives him, and not only him, he gives both of them, the older son and the younger son, his livelihood. Whose livelihood? Now, the word his isn't in the original translation. It's in italics, which means that they added it for clarity, they being the translators. He doesn't give them their inheritance as such. In other words, he doesn't just give them money, okay? He might have given them money. Livelihood can be money. But livelihood, the word is more closely related to the way that you make money. In other words, you know, I have friends who have horses and they use their horses to make a living. And they'll say, that horse is my livelihood. Now, they're not killing the horse eating the horse, but they're using the horse to get money so that they can live, if that makes sense, right? The livelihood is the methodology that is utilized for making money that sustains life or purchasing goods that sustains life, okay? It's your livelihood. In other words, like an artist doesn't want to damage their hand because their hand is their livelihood. So it's like that. So it's really important to understand what Jesus was saying. Now, I personally believe, and this is just conjecture, that the Father gave both of them some money, but I firmly believe that he also gave to them the business plan, the business model, and how to execute the business model. In other words, he sat down with both of them and he said, okay, boys, I have this vast empire and this is how I did it. Now, how this relates to us today in our kingdom living, in our earthly living, is that it would be like God saying, here are the kingdom principles that make the kingdom of heaven operate. And because the kingdom of heaven has dominion, over the kingdom of earth, then I'm going to show you how to use them and you can use them. He's teaching them how to do it. He's giving them the business plan, plus money, plus you know the things that they would need. So he gives it, catch this, he gives it to both the older and to the younger son. That's really important because the older son didn't ask for it. Now, in terms of these sons, I want you to think of the Old Testament and the New Testament, because really, when we take this story apart and we really dig into it, we see that this story really, really, really resonates with people who are living under the law and people who are living under grace. 
the older son being those who are under the law or what we're going to call the Old Testament and the younger son being those people who are living under hyper grace or what we would call the New Testament reality. So what Jesus has done with this amazing story of the prodigal son is he has shown us and cautioned us both anyone who's living legalistically and anyone who's living under hyper grace. Do I think that this story can be relegated to understanding how a sinner is received? I do. But I want you to think of it on a more esoteric plane, on a higher plane, a more relatable plane for children who are already walking in the grace of God, who are already born again, okay? You and I. Because it's a warning for everybody in that way. So what the younger son does is he takes this livelihood and he goes to a far off land. Now, as Chris Ballatin would say, he goes to the first heaven. He's got a third heaven plan. Remember the livelihood that he got in the third heaven or where the father resides. And he goes to a far off land. And so he's taking his third heaven knowledge, say sowing and reaping, and he's applying it to a first heaven culture and it's working. And that's really important to understand because what happens is the Bible says that he wasted it on prodigal living. It says right here in verse 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together. What did he gather? He gathered the money. He gathered everything he owned. He gathered everything. Why? And I believe the reason he was doing it is because he was like, sweet. Now I know how to do it. Now I'm going to go make my way in the world. You know, I'm going to be somebody, right? Like he's trying to do it. And I think a lot of Christians do this, especially a lot of Christians who get this revelation of hyper grace. They're like, sweet, I know how to do it. I know I'm under grace. I'll be good. Even if I live like, like hell, it doesn't change whose I am. And so they're like, sweet, I'm going. And they go. And that's what the prodigal son was doing. He's got all these kingdom principles and all of his goods and he's taking it and he's going into a far off land. He's going into a place where these principles can gain him notoriety. And that's what Christians do under greasy grace because they know kingdom principles. It's like they've got some inside data, inside information and they do. Okay. So the prodigal son journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, when we hear that statement, wasted his possessions with prodigal living, what we think about is that prodigal living is bad, um, that he is getting prostitutes and that he's drinking and that he's living crazy. And he is. He's wasting his possessions with prodigal living. But what he's doing, in essence, is utilizing the kingdom principles and wasting his possessions in, in those kingdom principles. It would be like this. Let me explain it this way. You understand the concept of sowing and reaping, okay? And so that, that concept is from God. And so you go into, let's say, farm country, and you've got... I don't know, $300,000 to spend. You buy a little bit of land, you buy some seed and you go and you're like, I know that this sowing and reaping is good. 
and I know that it's going to work. But no one else seems to know that this land will produce, okay? Because they don't understand the concept of sowing and reaping. So you're in this place, and you and you sow. You've got this inside information, and you sow into this land, and you've got all of this produce, all of this fruit that comes up, and you don't give it to anybody else. You don't teach anybody else the principles. You use it all for yourself. Okay, it would be like getting all that corn, say, say it's corn, I didn't say that, but say it's corn, and putting it all in your storehouse, but it's too much for you to eat, and you don't give it to anybody, you don't teach anybody how to harvest, you don't teach anybody the kingdom principles, you use it all for yourself, and you know what happens? It all dies, because you cannot eat all of it. That's what, that's what wasting his possessions with prodigal living is. Do I believe that he was going into bars and flashing a hundred thousand dollars and buying everybody rounds. Yeah, sure. Of course I do. Do I believe that he was spending it on harlots? I do. And the reason I do is because the older son says that he was spending it on harlots. So I believe that he was spending it on harlots, but I, I want you to put, to bring this principle right down where you live. Because what happens in this principle is that people under greasy grace, under hyper grace are like, I understand this principle, and I'm going to use it to gain favor. And God doesn't want us to use it to gain favor. He wants us to use it to be a blessing to other people. He wants us to use it to bring people into the kingdom. But, but, but when we're under greasy grace, we use it for ourselves. When we are so in this hyper grace movement, if we're not aware of being grounded in the scriptures and being grounded in why we do what we do, then we will use it for our own selfish gain. And that's what the prodigal son does here. And we're going to get into legalism and we're going to get into greasy grace a little more in the next session. Sorry, I had to check and see how long I've gone on. But right now I just want you to think about when you understand how much grace God has given you and how many kingdom principles he's taught you what have you done with that in your heart have you gone to the far-off land and have you wasted it on prodigal living in other words have you become a, such a prodigy and that no one knows where you come from and you just come out of nowhere and you're just bringing all these principles and bringing all this talent and just like blowing up right I want you to think about, right before I close, um, Nikola Tesla or Albert Einstein, either one. Both of these people, you, honey, have studied and looked at and, and I've looked at and studied, and both of them have received these supernatural understandings, okay? And both of them wasted these kingdom principles. Now, the, the wisdom that Albert Einstein got, the wisdom that Nikola Tesla got was from heaven, period. There's no way that they could have figured out those things running on the limited brain capacity, even though Albert Einstein was running on more brain capacity than most people. There's no way that they could have been figured out principles like that without help from heaven. There's no possible way. So the best example we have of people wasting their possessions on prodigal living is Albert Einstein and Nikola Tesla. They've got these supernatural, amazing ideas of the way things work, and they go into a far-off land, and they, they change the world. But it goes nowhere. They can't reproduce it. They can't share it with anybody. They certainly can't lead anybody back to where they got it from. 
Why? Because they were so disconnected and never went back. I know that Albert Einstein was a Jew. I know that he was, he's Jewish. He was Jewish, but he rejected God. And so in this church age, we as Christians are given so much grace, but if we don't understand grace in the proper perspective, we'll do one of two things. We'll spend it on ourselves or we become legalistic. And that's what we're going to get into in the next session. All right, I'm going to close this session for this week. I'm actually going to record these in the same day, but I'm not going to broadcast it till next week. So you're going to have to check us out next week. Remember that I love you and that Jesus loves you. Thank you.